0: there are bad experiences that are happening to people These horrible games. it makes it feel fake it's, it's this is so cheap this is so fake compared to what their experience what do i have yeah. to enjoy this violin music when somebody over there is dying and then i thought about it because i don't think that's the right attitude i think that you'll suck the joy out of life <laughs> if you Agreed. take it that way i think that you have to experience those things in order to provide hope for the people that are trying to escape the bad things. They're trying to escape to something better. The fact that you're experiencing something better isn't some knock on your life or isn't fake in comparison to what they're going through. It's because it's very real, because the good thing matters, that they have something to move towards. You have to experience good things to give them something to move towards. You need that. you need
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. At Feeding Curiosity, I hope to explore how to live better. And at the end of the day, it's about a human experience, and it's through conversation we can learn from others, their ideas, their habits, routines, and anything else they've picked up along the way. Through these conversations, we can create blueprints to live better in any form. My hope through these conversations is that you look at your own life with just a little bit more curiosity today on the podcast. I am joined by returning guest and good friend Joe Joukowsky. We recorded this one in Michigan at the beginning of June and really it was a our way of catching up with each other since we hadn't spoken in a little while since basically he was last on the podcast The first half of this conversation is us catching up about things and just what's on our mind. Meaning we just talk about the changing of state as Joe wraps up his experience at Michigan. And so this is the fourth and possibly final podcast that I will be doing out there. So it was a lot of fun to to have that as a capstone. On that, we reminisce about old things. Some of that is Joe's experience with the military, starting with things around pests and how we view insects of the world. From there, we get into the more usual topics that we typically explore around psychology. I think one of the important topics that we covered in this conversation is Joe's traits that have stuck with him through the military that continue to serve him well and how he's translated those things or what he sees as response to COVID that others may not see in the same way. And one of these examples is being able to carry on with a heroic attitude. In that respect, one of the stories or other podcasts that I cite is the story of Sarah Halberg on the Peter Tia podcast, which I'll have a link for in the show notes. From there, we jump across into an even more intense story because while in Michigan, we had this amazing experience of being able to be back out in nature and people being back out and experiencing, in, in quotes, normal life. But, More recently, we listened to another podcast, which is very intense, which is the story of Yanmi Park, who is a North Korean defector. She was recently on the Jordan Peterson podcast. Since then, there has been a series of articles that have been released where she's been interviewed. And the articles themselves focus on a smaller slice of what she has to say. But Jordan Peterson's podcast really encapsulates the entire story of what she's been through i listened to the conversation on my car ride to michigan so it was very fresh in my mind when i was there it still continues to be fresh in my mind as one of the most powerful stories that i've ever listened to so we touch upon that story and what what we think of it as it's nothing short of intense but i think it shows just the how much that work still needs to be done not in the united states but across the world to improve the standard of living for everybody and at the very least if you do anything for this conversation is you should listen to that the final part of this conversation is that joe provides a slight taste of what he's going to be doing next which is going to be doing his master's program for clinical psychology in columbia new york which is very exciting please enjoy this conversation with Joe Jucowski. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been here in well, Michigan for one thing. This is probably the first time we've done a podcast in a while,
0: especially in Michigan. Yeah, I think the last one we did in Michigan was either
1: Fretz or Bill. Probably Bill because that was the one we were dying in his fifth floor apartment. That's right. Yeah. Probably Fourth of July. Yeah, the second Bill one too,
0: right? Yes, yeah, we did those we were two. Yeah, we did one in my my old old
1: place. Yeah, your first apartment here at Michigan. Wow, this feels like a like the third and final, or fourth and final, the final <laughs> act. Yeah, <too>? yeah. <laughs>
0: that's funny. We like we were just talking about that apartment and how I had it was infested with like little fruit fly, like yeah. tiny little. They're totally harmless, but they were just Everywhere. thousands of them. I don't know if I. I think that what happened was that I hadn't taken out my trash, and then I'd gone. Back to Chicago for a weekend. And then when I came back, it was like game over. They had just taken they over. They
1: were like, hey, thanks for the trash. No.
0: Why did I leave in it? Like, yeah. It wasn't the trash that this happened. But then I had to, like, the key to getting rid of them is that you get a bowl, fill it with water, and then put some apple cider vinegar in there because they love that shit. And then you put soap in there and they go in and they're like, oh, I'm going to go get some of that apple cider vinegar. And then they get caught in the soap and they drown
1: Yeah. Surface tension. That's why they they drown because normally bugs, they can use surface tension to their advantage. That's why they float. But when you have soap, it destroys that little... because of membrane on top of the water then. I just go in the guy
0: (laughs) and I killed thousands. I was dumping out like... Just bowls of it? Bowls of dead flies. We used to have...
1: when I worked at Walmart in the produce section, we used to hide little apple cider traps underneath the fruit stands hmm. Because every so often you'd forget a rotten one or one would get left behind too long and then you'd be like you'd pick up one tomato or something, and you're like, Ah no. You're like, why is there flies everywhere? And then you'd Yeah. You'd have to change them every so often just to so that you get fresh trap basically. With things you don't realize to control bugs. Right. <laughs> They're around. It's just we've it's strange
0: because that's like the base state of nature. That's normal. Decaying right. bugs. Right, and the bugs come in, they do all their work, and they get food and stuff. Yeah. So you're constantly surrounded by crazy animals and shit. But we've so systemized the world that it's seemed an obstacle or some aberration right. that these bugs have showed up in your apartment. But it's, oh, no, this is the norm. <laughs> you're
1: the weirdo for having this huge construct like ac build box that you right. live in and and the box is a no-go zone for other living things yeah. except the things you choose to come in like dogs and cats right and you hate
0: basically all of nature except for dogs
1: <laughs> right and even then sometimes we have a when special they on
0: your carpet
1: you're like wow well, right now i am like "Yeah, we have a special loathing for insects yeah like my mom will like now that it's summertime we're getting warm it's ant patrol is on duty because they're looking for your pantry yeah dude my <laughs> house
0: in the house in Chicago like the family home yeah ants all the time every summer and we can't figure out like where the entry point like, is what the fuck like, they get in once like one ant breaks the barrier and you're screwed yep and it's uh oh we're in now. We've got a, we've been, I don't know what they do. They vomit path? like, yeah, use the pheromones to Yeah, I think it's a pheromone trail. So
1: if you see just one, that's like a scout. Kill and basically, it, kill it now. If he finds a place and then leaves and comes back, he's now made a pathway. It is that's so
0: crazy. That's so, like, there, it reminds me of, like, war stuff. Yeah, it really like, is, like. That. Like, the one spy got <laughs> the information, now he needs to get back. It's if you kill him before he gets back, then you're safe. Yeah. Like, it's a, which is, and they're war animals, they kill each
1: other like crazy. Yeah, like you watch those Amazon videos of the two different types of ants, and they have borders right I next to- I've
0: like super colonies in the U.S. now that span like- There might like be. Like half the country. Because there's some That's kind insane. of- <laughs> There's some ant that came up from South America, I think, and didn't have any ants that could compete with it in the U.S., and so it just started wrecking everybody.
1: That wouldn't surprise me because the, <laughs> the South American ant colonies yeah. are just ridiculous. Cause oh, <laughs> these are
0: things that evolved in the Amazon
1: where everything is trying to kill you. <laughs> I
0: could do without the ants and insects in general.
1: Yeah. Every so often I come across something and I'm like, why does that exist?
0: Like camel spiders?
1: Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. These are <laughs> disgusting. Or they have a whip. There's a thing called a whiptail scorpion.
0: A whiptail? Whiptail?
1: Yeah. But it has no actual stinger. So, think of a scorpion with, mm-hmm. like, its tail chopped off. Gross. And then it has these two, I'm going to call them grabby hands, because that's what they look like. <laughs> but when it tries to attack you, apparently they're not dangerous like a normal scorpion, but they, like, can like, yeah. They can clamp
0: <laughs> you in. Yeah, they, like, clamp things.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. Huh. But it, they look terrifying, because it's like, the scorpion's body is three or four inches wide to right. length. And then the arms that come out of it are like another couple inches in front. Of, is yeah, <laughs> Joe's face is disgusted right now. <laughs> yeah, <it's> not, yeah. <laughs> it's just I don't want to deal with that shit. Especially just nature. If you go anywhere that's got incredible competition from the right. deserts to the rainforest, it's just
0: that's so strange to me. It was like okay, so the rainforest, there's so much life there. That it's some of it's gonna be terrible, some of it's gonna be not terrible, and it's gonna be whatever. But there's a ton of it because it can just flourish, there's constant rain, constant foliage, everything yeah. to feed off of, whatever. The desert was like if it survives, it's some kind of sick murder machine. There were camel spiders, there were scorpions. Camel spiders are the ones that have the
1: decaying bite, yeah, right?
0: They, they bite you and you go numb and then they just eat the numb area. So, like, guys in Afghanistan would wake up with half their calf missing. They're just like, shit. And then they go, that's it. Like, Can you imagine that? You go to bed, and then you wake up, and you're getting kicked out of the Marine Corps because you don't have a calf. Well, there goes my whole career because <laughs> I fell asleep at the wrong time. And we
1: didn't check to see if there was a camel spider in the corner. They're
0: gross. They get I guess the, the guys that would talk they would come back from, like, Iraq, Afghanistan said that they were huge. They were, like, eight inches. They're giant. I don't know if that's true or this is just the kind of, you should have seen the fish that I caught kind of a story. 29 palms were like, I don't know, three, four inches? Depending. They, we would only see them like, this is what was so nasty, because they like to hide underneath
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: because So we didn't, like, but we'd but go and we set up these huge base X tents. They're like, you can put AC in them and you can do that basically okay. for the computers and stuff so they don't overheat in the 100 degree weather.
1: Yeah.
0: And... We set them up, but then you have to tear down and put everything up, and you like collapse the tent, pull out all of its structure, and then it's just a burlap sack basically, and you roll it up. And as you're rolling this big thing up, it's like right then you do one more roll, and then out comes a camel spider out from under there. You're like, oh shit! And you're like down on your knees, rolling this thing, right. and then it's like on your leg. And you're like, oh
1: god! You're like, don't bite me! Don't bite me! Don't like, bite me! Fuck off of me! And so
0: they're just nasty, and they're just they look gross. They look yeah. closer to a scorpion than a spider. Interesting. Like in their body shape and structure yeah. and stuff, but they're like softer. Yeah. And just. Right, because a scorpion's gross. like armor plated. Right. And it, it's it's trying to be armor plated, but it's not. <laughs> it's just. I'll definitely find a photo of It's this. so it's, nasty. I don't know. There's a bunch of that shit. And then there were. We saw. I didn't see one in 29 Palms, but we saw a. What do you call them? Tarantula hawk
1: in seen Camp, Camp Pendleton. Of those.
0: We saw <laughs> one on the ground. Oh my God. Jillette. They're like. Yeah. An inch long It's age. like the second most painful sting in the world. Yeah. It's like that. bullet. The reason
1: they're called t- tarantula hogs too is they... They lure... eat tarantulas. Yeah. They yeah. hunt them.
0: We see tarantulas all the time, but they're super chill. They don't care. They won't...
1: Yeah. They're probably more afraid of you than anything else.
0: And they don't bite you either. Like you could pick one up and it wouldn't care. It'd just be like, why am I on you? <laughs> tarantulas are real low-key. But... And then they were... On Pendleton, there were a ton of... Black Widows. Oh. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I guess it's just the region, but like... Probably, yeah. There's a basketball court that was cut into a hill, so you can see the little hill, and then it cuts down, and there's a little corner there that's a concrete wall that slowly dissipates into the the rest of the basketball court where it's Mm flat. And then there's a fence there that was attached to this incline little tiny wall that blocked the... Basketball from flying past that into Mm -hmm. like the barracks or something. But it didn't go all the way to the ground. It just hooked on to the little wall. So there's an exposed open part of the bottom of the pipe. Just like Uh, eight inches off the ground or something. And in in that motherfucker (laughs) was a constant supply of black widows. Any day of the week you could walk over there. Take a look. Yep, there they are. That'll kill you. That's crazy. So you just play basketball carefully.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the ball goes over there, be very careful with the ball. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. I, I'm not sure if it was near where you guys were, but I've seen videos of the glow in the dark scorpions. What? That are supposed to be really poisonous.
0: I never like white
1: ones? Yeah, I think they're white, but they're, they glow in the dark like that phosphorescent green.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. We see uh, did I ever? Like the young Scorpions that yeah, are white really before tiny. they turn black; and those are supposed to be more dangerous because they just, yeah, they've no, and they have no control over the venom. It's the same thing as with uh, of snakes; like it's the baby snakes that are more dangerous because they
1: just unload all of it right? yeah. <laughs> all at once. They're like
0: a teenager; <laughs> they just blow their load, no self control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's what they are, but. I don't know, so that, so goes all my stories of disgusting bugs.
1: (laughs) Animal life that wants to kill you? Yeah. (laughs) Surprised you didn't run into rattlesnakes or something like that. We did, but
0: we would just bash them with a shovel, usually.
1: (laughs) I guess it's easier to deal with a snake. They weren't
0: that bad. Like, where's it? Get the shovel. (laughs) Because they tell you where they're at. If we could, we would be like, get out of here leave. Right. And I think technically
1: you're not supposed to hurt them, but... Guys, did I understand why some of you guys would be like, Yeah, I'm rather just gonna yeah, get rid it was of a the big one that was
0: living because we moved to a to this old, what should have been condemned warehouse on Pendleton. <laughs> the <laughs> second floor t- was built by our master sergeant when he was a lance corporal, oh, wow. so it wasn't built by like engineers, it was built by Marines on base. No, it was just a bunch of lance corps. It was like, Let's put a second floor. There's no safety, Dear regulations. <laughs> we had thousand pound base X's. And nets and stuff up there. Jeez. Like, tons of them. So you're talking about weight. Yeah. And I was just like, this hasn't collapsed and killed everyone? All right. I guess they did a good job. <laughs> but anyway, so we moved there, and there's this little place where the road wear was deteriorating, and underneath the road was a little outcrop, like a little cave, a tiny mm-hmm. little cave that actually fit underneath the pavement. And there was a huge rattlesnake under there, and we had to call like, the base animal control or something. Dang. Big guy. Big big guy.
1: It reminds you of the the raccoon story you told us the oh, last yeah. time. What did we
0: call him was- Goliath. Yeah. The fucking.
1: You try to poison that thing. <laughs> we try to kill
0: it. We shot that thing multiple times. We with a um, we had a pellet gun. Yeah. For this region, because we were infested with like rodents and stuff at this should have been condemned warehouse. So we were shooting an animal like trying to get rid of everything. It was pest control like crazy. But then there was this one raccoon that was huge and mean and wouldn't die. <laughs> so we, we shot him multiple times. One time we were there like 4 in the morning getting punished for some stupid thing. And we saw him having sex with another raccoon. We shot him in the ass and they both fell down the hill and then he came back the next day anyway.
1: Which <laughs> <laughs> was hilarious. Like you'd think this raccoon would get the message. Like no, they're not. We had these crates that were
0: huge and heavy. And he would open it up and get into the MREs and rip them all apart.
1: Wait, for real? Yeah. Oh my God. No like, wonder he was fat.
0: I know. Like somebody didn't latch it or something that day. And he just was like, whoa, this is my time. He's like, There's a
1: buffet. Yeah. And just
0: <laughs> nailed it. And took it. So we, we ended up taking a bunch of like old MRE stuff, putting it in the center of this open floor, dousing it in antifreeze to poison him and then left. And he sure enough ate it, but he just vomited and shit and then survived just fine and came back so all we ended up doing was getting shit and vomit all over
1: the, all over our warehouse it totally backfired <laughs> clean up everything after he didn't die it was a mess it was literally a mess thankfully we had
0: some new guys that had shown up to the unit so PFC so and so as is work right. cut out for him Yeah, <laughs> um, not me <laughs> God,
1: in those situations, it just tell, it shows you the resiliency of nature in some sense? It's so funny. Like, how it's, does that even make any sense?
0: It's just, we just got outsmarted by a wreck.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh man.
0: <laughs> you are just tough as shit. It's we never, crazy. couldn't get rid of them. We ne- Like, I left that unit. I got out of the Marine Corps, and that thing was still around, doing its thing, enjoying
1: its life. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) God, that feels like a lifetime ago. It's
0: been... I got out in 2015, so it's been six years. It'll be six years on August
1: 7th. Wow.
0: I don't feel like a Marine at all anymore. I was gonna say. Just a guy. You've
1: been out long enough that it's... Right, right. I've
0: gone back to baseline.
1: the, The mentality of everything. I think the
0: only thing that's really permanently stuck around is a certain level of disagreeableness. And awareness, this is something I've had a conversation with people about during COVID, military people, that it's like, for the first time, a fair number of people have come to realize that they're going to die. Mm-hmm. That COVID is killing the people around them, and they're going to die too someday. But this is, as a result, there, I've seen a couple different reactions. I think on the left, generally, I've seen uh, kind of paranoia, where it's like, You need to make things safe for me is like this mentality. So somebody else wears a mask. Right. (laughs) Everything in bubble wrap. And on the right there's a denial. It's oh Fauci's a liar Mm -hmm. and all of this isn't happening. I'm going out. I don't need a mask. It's all a hoax. So it's like on the right there's denial and on the left there's like this agoraphobic, this obnoxious fear, really. Yeah. well I maybe mean, it's fear on both sides but they react differently.
1: it's a fear it's it's a fear-based response but just, yeah just one is denial different and one is
0: some word that would be succinct here
1: that I'm just not coming but you get it and
0: it's just not an issue that anyone that I know that's been in the military has to deal with because we're like yeah
1: you sign up at 18 or whatever right like you know? I've, I've <laughs> gone through this whole
0: experience all right it's yes someday you're gonna die the real key here is not i, I think that either one of these in some sense Maybe I'm more sympathetic to the right, probably just temperamentally here, but it's living to avoid dying is no way of living at all. But also denial is terrible, is stupid. Nothing's going on. That's not courage, that's stupidity, All right, Courage is recognizing, yes, this is a problem. People I know aren't gonna die, I might die. And I'm still going to live the best life that I can possibly manage because it's inevitable. This
1: is an inevitability. I mean, what is it? Life is a terminal condition. I heard about doctors talking about this and he was talking to his guest, Dr. Sarah Halberg, and she got suddenly diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And that's once you get it, you're done. You're basically, you have a time limit and you already had a time limit, but now it's a much shorter time limit than she even knew. And she was like super healthy and like whatnot. And she just all of a sudden had a random seizure. Went to the doctor and they're like, oh, by the way, you have a massive tumor in your brain that is cancer from Mm -hmm. lung cancer. And she says, here you go. Life comes at you real fast. And it's like all you can do, do the things that you're supposed to do when it comes to live life.
0: Yeah. You You almost have to live. It's interesting because it's how do you deal with that exactly? You could just step off the curb and just get hit by a bus. It's like at any point you can be diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. It might just happen. And it's there are things you can do to mitigate it. Don't smoke. Cigarettes, but to some degree, it's you can't control for all of it. Eventually, something's going to happen. And even if you could control for all the diseases and stuff, you're just going to grow old. Yeah. And then the system's going to shut down and you're done. So it's like, how do you make long term life plans knowing that at any moment you could just poof? Right? It's like, why bother? Yeah. But it's almost like you just have to hold on to the belief that, you know what, I can't control this. Whatever happens will happen. And I'm going to live as if I'm going to be able to accomplish this thing. You have to live as if, you have to act as if you're going to, it's not like you're going to live forever. It's Camus. It's, you have to rebel. You have to go, uh, you have to revolt against this state that you're in. Yeah, I'm going to die. All this is crazy. It brings into question meaning and purpose and... Why bother doing anything at all? And it to hell with it. Yeah. In spite of that, you have to have this kind of combative attitude of, yeah, life has handed me this particular hand
1: and I don't care. I'm going to play it, mm-hmm. right? That's actually, wow, that's is like perfectly in line with what Sarah had said, because she's a mom. So she has two kids or three kids and she's like, I'm going to live 11 years. That was her extended timeline mm-hmm. because at 11 years, her youngest would finish school. I'm not sure if it's high school or college, but most likely high school. Yeah. And so she's the hell with it. I'm going to live 11 years and I'm going to see all of my children make it to basically adulthood. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is she's, I wanted, she's still a doctor and does all of this amazing work. And she's like, part of me wanted to just give that all up and then just be with my family. Yeah. But then I think it was one of her kids that had told her, she's like, mom, you need to keep doing these things, go on business trips and go speak to people and do things because that, what does that show us as your children? Yeah. Because you're doing good things in the world and we don't want you to throw away that hmm. only for us in yeah. some sense. It's like by, Lies. it's like by going out and doing the things that you're really good at. Cause she like had to start like do a Ted talk or was asked to do a Ted speaking, no Aspen Institute speaking for leadership stuff. And she mm. almost said no to it because she's right. like, I don't want to leave my children because I don't have much time left. But then she, like, she's like, no, I have to go do this because these are the things that my children are going to remember. Mm. Like, even with all of these. It's a
0: heroic attitude. Yeah, it really is. It's I'm not going to give up everything. I'm not going to just maybe just spend time with the kids, even though there's something admirable about that. It's that I'm still have work. There's still work to be done. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the, how do you say it? Rogue One. Star Wars. Rogue Mm -hmm. One. When everybody's dying. They're on the beaches. Things are being blown up, but they all have one task left to to do. I need to get this one thing done. And it's maybe you're shot and you're crawling to that one thing (laughs) and you're going to die. But God damn it. I'm going to hit this button and save these people or make whatever happen. It's the same thing. It's just extended over a period of time. You've got your death sentence. It's coming. But there's some there's something heroic about completing the work. Yep. Despite the fact that you're going to die, and that's this rebellious attitude that Camus was talking about. Yeah. That he called it an absurd hero. That life is absurd. <laughs> that there's no. It, he thought that there was, it was impossible to find any objective meaning.
1: Like a, a singular meaning for right, existence.
0: Right. In some sense, like what the vacuum that God uh, left it was impossible to to fill, and to. Uh, and that makes life an absurd thing that there's to, that you're so small compared to this unlimited universe and in that relationship in you the example he uses is uh, a machine gun nest and charging it with a sword he's
1: like, oh, that's what you're doing he's that's like, absurd,
0: absurd. He's like, that's objectively absurd he's like that's what you're doing that, the 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 weight or the size of this task is so immense compared to what your the tools you have and what you're doing that it renders it ridiculous And so that's what with life is is that you're this guy with a sword and here's life and it's giant machine gun (laughs) nest and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do this anyway. (laughs) And that makes it ridiculous. And that person is an absurd hero and that we're all, we all are called to be one.
1: It's really interesting because in some sense it does feel like that in general. Yeah. Because it's like everything you do and then you're like, you just hear stories about people going on in life and you're like... What the hell am I, every step of the way you're like, what the hell am I doing over here? (laughs) When you hear the craziness that goes on in the world or whatever, yeah, the vastness of just what goes on in the world. Maybe just because it's exasperated by the internet that we can hear some more stories because our scope can be. It's strange. We were talking
0: about something like this yesterday. We were walking through the Arboretum here in Ann Arbor. What are the name of these flowers? Peonies. Peonies. Peonies.
1: That's the plural. Peony. Is they only,
0: they're these big flowers, red, white, pink.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they bloom for three days during the year. So it's a big deal. And people come from around and check it out. And we're walking through this really nice garden, the Arboretum. And in there are two, maybe junior high, early high school mm-hmm. age kids playing the violin together. And people are sitting down. And it... the. A couple of days before that, I had listened to a podcast between Jordan Peterson and Yonmi Park, who was a North Korean defector. And because of how tragic her story was, and how every step of the way in trying to get out of North Korea and get to a better life, and even when she got to a better life, there was still hard. That every step of the way, there were just terrible people and terrible experiences, and it was tragic the whole way. And I was like, how is it that when people are going through that i can walk through a park with pretty flowers and hear the violin at all like this is it seems so ridiculous right when you compare these two things it's almost like i can't enjoy the good things because there are bad people out there it's like, there mm-hmm. are bad experiences that are happening to people these horrible things. it makes it feel fake it's this is so Cheap. This is so fake compared to what they're experiencing. What do I have yeah. to enjoy this violin music when somebody over there is dying? And then I thought about it because I don't think that's the right attitude. I think that you'll suck the joy out of life <laughs> if you Agreed. take it that way. I think that you have to experience those things in order to provide hope for the people that are trying to escape the bad things. They're trying to escape to something better. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're experiencing something better isn't some knock on your life or isn't fake in comparison to what they're going through, it's because it's very real, because the good thing matters, that they have something to move towards. You have to experience good things to give them something to move towards. You need that.
1: You need to create a foundation for something better than what the, the worst of us all experience.
0: I need to act out a more enjoyable, better life and experience the good things that I can, Well, I can, for them. Yeah, it's for the people that are suffering that you need to. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do what you can to make their lives better, to make sure that they can come here or all the other myriad moral responsibilities that you have. (laughs) It's that right now, in this moment, you must, you are obligated. You must enjoy what this is. Be here, present in this experience for their sake. And that's okay. And you can do that you should
1: I highly recommend everyone go listen to her podcast with Jordan Peterson because it was it's brutal nothing short of brutal and I <laughs> but <if> eye opening <laughs> and tragic it's, but and worth it. every second to hear it because the even crazier thing is that she was born in 1993 which is the year I yeah. was born <laughs> yeah the year after me so she's it's, our age she's literally the parallel time span on this planet when I a was lifetime.
0: living an idyllic life in the suburbs of Chicago Right. She was, what, being sold into sex slavery in China. Yeah.
1: Because she was, like, 13. Like, yeah. we were going into high school, and she was trying yeah. to I navigate. think about what
0: we were doing in junior high, like, eighth grade, acting like fools and being silly and all that. And then I think about the <laughs> horror show that she was going through. It's right. Like, I can't.
1: It's, if you had a movie where you had two split screens where it's on like, parallel, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. It just, it drives me crazy. But yeah, it makes me angry. It makes very, me very
0: angry. Because I'm like... In part because so much, it wasn't so much, it wasn't the suffering in and of itself. It was that it was created by people.
1: Yeah, it was it was manufactured by regimes right. that...
0: Regimes of multiple kinds, both North Korea and China. It's by the individuals that she met, even the ones who were helping her were being shitty. Yes. And it's just like, where
1: have all the good people?
0: That's what made me angry.
1: Because there's got to be people there in both places that know what's going yeah. on is wrong yeah like we there is a standard moral compass to some degree like and this
0: is this is something that frustrated me here this is not a comparison I'd be not in any like orders of magnitude difference right yeah. this is something that annoyed me about being here at um is that there was clearly when I was in the ccac which was an advisory council
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I actually had a good experience with and I think the people that were running it had I think that they had their hearts in the right place. They were trying to navigate COVID to the best of their ability. Yeah. It's very hard and unprecedented and all this. So I I don't really...
1: They didn't have good guidance from any larger organization. Right. I mean, it was a
0: nightmare. (laughs) But we were trying to to figure out what to do. And they were overstepping their bounds. And they were creating, like, really... community policing service, or they're trying to, mm-hmm. where students would police other students and literally call the cops on them. It's this weird. It was, I thought it was toxic. It was going to create a culture of mistrust at the least. Say nothing about whether they have the right to do that. And everyone clearly was uncomfortable with this, or at least most people. There were 40 something odd advisors there, mm-hmm. student advisors.
1: And nobody said a word until after I did. Nobody said a word. And that's how these—that's how this stuff happens. That's what frustrated me. No a, one... Everyone is too afraid to speak out against something for fear of looking... Right. Look, they detractor. self-censor themselves. Yeah.
0: Like, they're worried about being ostracized or something. Yeah. Which that's I understand. Down. I get it. I don't want to be ostracized, but, like... Jesus, man. <laughs> like, I don't... I just don't know. It just... It... I was relieved... Like, the positive end of this is that all that it took was saying just speaking up real quick. Right. I didn't suffer any consequences of that. It was perfectly fine. Like, Probably because you did
1: it in a public setting and you didn't make like
0: it into and this... And I don't think
1: anything that I was saying was
0: unreasonable. Yeah. But it it was just... And then after that, the fact that all I had to do is speak up and then everybody that had a problem with it... It's like was... a sigh of
1: relief. <laughs> went,
0: okay, now I can talk. And so the moment I was like, no, I think I have a problem with this. It went,
1: oh, oh, I have a problem with this too. Oh, me too.
0: Oh. <laughs> and so everybody had a fucking problem. Yeah. But it was just... I, On one hand, I'm encouraged by the fact that everyone's willing to speak up after so little effort on my part. But I'm discouraged
1: by the fact that no one spoke up in the first place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, where
1: where are these people that are willing to talk? It's it's again, like, we were just talking about this too. Is the bystander effect of what happens in these situations. Yeah. It's like, everyone assumes that someone else will say the thing that needs to be said. I know. Or do the thing that needs to be done.
0: Right, but nobody...
1: But yeah. if everyone has that mentality, then nobody does anything. Then no, nothing ever happens like or changes. It.
0: And it's frustrating to me. Very. In part because the people here with passionate convictions mm-hmm. that are demanding that they act are not the level headed, reasonable human beings, it's the ideologues who are, have a new religion, this right. cult like conviction. That they go and scream at the world that they need to change that they need... Everybody else needs to do these things so that we can be in our utopia yeah. or whatever version.
1: Yeah, it's the thought that if everyone behaved as such... Yeah.
0: And so, in some sense, it's almost like the reasonable people are like twigs. They're sitting there they stand up and they go, Hey, that seems a little weird. And these these people with their conviction <laughs> are a tornado. Yeah. And they just rip them right out of the ground. They just bowl them over. Because... The reasonable it's like the it's like the middle of the sensible human beings have forgotten why it is we have to be sensible and so they lack all the underlying meaning necessary to hold stand to their convictions and i'm like so what happens well we just get knocked over by psychos and we get run by crazy people
1: it's almost like magnets like when you put two strong magnets the less like the smaller fragments become polarized anyways And it's like the reasonable people in the middle are the ones that wind up just being polarized by whatever's strongest next to them. They're just like, I don't really agree with it, but this is the way the water's going. (laughs) I
0: know, that scares me too. Why are you agreeing to things you don't agree with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I understand why, right? There's
0: social pressure. There's lots of social right, pressure. There's a lot of reasons and you just don't want to be fucking harassed. You got better shit. A lot of the, uh, it, I think, is that there are people who have better things to do yes. than to get into some fight with a psycho. Right? To some degree, it's, if I'm at a bar and somebody's acting crazy, there's some person that's like
1: yelling and whatever.
0: talking to themselves yeah. in the corner <laughs> even <and> better, <being> <laughs> combative and strange and all of this. I'm just... It, like, even if they're yelling at me I'm not going to engage. Right. Because clearly this is a waste of my time. Like, what am I going to do? Reason with them? That's be- not on the table. Right. That's not on the table. <laughs> You're crazy. Any discussion with you isn't going to go anywhere. So why would I fucking bother with this? And that's often my mentality with the crazy ideologues. I'm like, why would I have a conversation with you? You're clearly off the fucking rails. Yeah. <laughs>
1: even, that, even if you could have some semi-coherent conversation with yeah. that person, the odds of you making any meaningful progress to right. back off of their-
0: Especially if they're in a crowd. Yeah, if they're in a crowd, they're not a person anymore. They're, they're they are one small atom in this ideological body that's moving together. That yeah. you're not gonna they're unless you can pull them out design. of that. <laughs> right, they are. They're, unless you can pull them out of the crowd and talk to them one on one make them a person again, you're not gonna get anywhere. So it's just so I get the impulse that some people have not to engage with this at all because they're like, you're fucking crazy. Why would I talk to you at all? This, I'm just gonna go through the motions. Yeah, 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 and then I'm gonna go back to what I was doing. That's more important than this. Yeah. So I totally understand that. And I think that we need to, we just have to, we're at a position where you have to stand up and be like, you're insane. No one should be listening to you because right now the crazy people are the ones with the microphone. Yeah. And it's, no, I'm going to take this right out of your hands.
1: I think you're right. And I think part of it too is just the exasperation with wearing all the masks for the last year, really not interacting with people outside of people who already believed like you did. Yeah. Because the internet is very good at Self selection and creating filter bubbles. And the one thing I've noticed, like, even just being out here the last couple days, is just how alive everything is again. Yeah. And people, like, just seeing bystanders and it's, they see their friends and it's like, oh my, like, I heard a conversation yesterday after finishing breakfast and she's, oh my God, it's been so long since we saw each other. Like, that Mm. little bit of interaction. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like all of this, like, crazy rhetoric of. Yeah, I think it'll get mitigated. All of a sudden, it's like, now people don't really care about these larger narratives that really don't affect your life.
0: I think that, I hope, my hope is that in coming back from COVID, people will realize just how valuable one-on-one human connection is.
1: Yeah, hang out people you like and care
0: about. That they'll realize that their interactions with people on the internet are in no way equivalent to being with someone in person. That That all the connection, the communication, the things that are implicit and not explicitly written out like a wink or uh, a, a sly smile when they say something terrible and you know yeah. that it's terrible and they know that it's terrible that they know that it's terrible and, it's and that joke. they're telling a joke because they've got that little twinkle in their eye <laughs> and you're like oh yeah that's funny okay i get it but if you had written the thing out explicitly on facebook you miss the humor yeah right that's that so much of the communication <laughs> isn't in the language it's yeah. in everything else it's in the context and that on Facebook, on social media, you don't have the context and that when you're in person, you do. And that I'm hoping that what people realize is that after having spent a year basically living in a representation of communication and not actually communicate. And for
1: some people, borderline solitary confinement drives
0: people insane. <laughs> so why we would think that it wouldn't drive you insane when it's in a house instead of a cell is beyond me. What, like, because the couch is the fucking reason you're not going to go crazy? Why well, have a TV, and therefore I'm fine. Yeah,
1: but the <laughs> TV's <laughs> like, not giving you anything better except maybe it's giving you food for thought. Like, it, might, it might
0: make it worse if all it's doing is giving you a 24-hour news cycle about how you're going to die and everything right. is horrible. And, but fine. <laughs> I'm hoping that we can come out of this, recognize, or immediately see the contrast between what we had in all this social media and all this, which was present even before the pandemic, but we probably didn't realize how bad it was. But a direct, here's the representational world of social media we've been living in. Here is human connection together in person with all the implicit context. Yes. And look at just how different and how much more meaningful the in-person context, the in-person yeah. communication is, and that we can go, maybe we should step back from this insanity.
1: Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent spot on. One of the things that was always like in the background of all this is like, will theaters come back? Will live music or live events right. Or, right. or conferences be coming back? And as things started changing and, and like looking towards the brighter future, it was like, it's like, Absolutely because the reason you pay more money to go see something in person it, rather than watch a stream of it afterwards yeah is because there's something special about experiencing something together right a movie even though everyone is silent in the room it right. still has a better experience than sitting in your home
0: it is a community event it's the, the, you connect with the people around you that's what that's when what you're sharing you, a thing together right when you go to a a concert especially you, concert you are <laughs> You aren't just dancing, you're dancing with. Yes. There's somebody there with you that you're connecting with. Them. You, you look them in the eyes, maybe somebody you've never talked to, and you have a moment where you're on the same, <laughs> there's a, a similar tempo and you yeah. move together and there's a communication in the dancing and in the music. And so that the artists who are playing are communicating something to you that's more fundamental than language, I- explicit language. In fact, there are, there are some scientists who think that music came before language and out of music, language came. <laughs> and, and so they're communicating something to you. You're listening. Everyone else in the crowd is listening to this thing. And not only are— It's, it's like love triangle. The, yeah. Here's the artist— communicating to two different people in the crowd but those two different people in the crowd hearing the theme look to each other and now communicating with each other connecting and yeah, triangle. and
1: synchronize right
0: and then everybody gets on the same wave and mm-hmm. they move and dance and experience it's funny, together it's
1: so funny that you use the word wavelength because right. it's like literal right exactly that's why i used it
0: <laughs> it's so good right i literally in some sense and that's why would you sacrifice that there, yeah, you know, right. When you're getting on the screen of a concert and pretending that oh wow, th- this is a simulacrum of of the real thing. This is a rep- this is a representation without referent, without a yeah. thing to which it's referring, without connection, I mean, without being moored to experience.
1: Yeah, I think I, what's funny. I think even for me, I was already excited about going into the world, but now with the last year of being borderline locked in your house and not really knowing whether or not you could go anywhere yeah i think i'm even more excited about finding and exploring not even only places in the u.s but older places like europe and seeing i want to go to greece yes i want to see the umphalos like seriously like going to places and just breathing in Mm. the ancient culture and just imagining like And reminding yourself... 2,000 years ago, there was people that were not much different than me and you, except for cultural differences. Yeah. But still lived lives here.
0: And they are your predecessors. Yeah. That the Greeks handed the torch to the Romans, handed the torch to all of Europe. Or the West. It's out of there that the Western civilization came to be. And we have the mantle. And we're fucking it up right now. And which drives me insane, because we're letting down untold number of generations of people who expected us to do better. Yeah. We've got 15 minutes before we need to leave. So yes. I can, if we want, I can go over- Quick little Columbia, like what's right. next for Joe? Right. What <laughs> am I doing now? Yeah. And just an update. I got into Teachers College, Columbia University to do a master's in psychology and education program, which the, in education part is there for historical reasons. And the fact that the clinical psychology program is in the teacher's college is there for historical reasons. It's a clinical psychology master's program. So that means it's a step on the way to a PhD to become a clinician. So I'll be my long-term goal is to be a clinical psychologist who is a professor. So I can do research, I can teach, and I can be a therapist. That's the idea. (laughs) Well, clinicians don't always do that, but Peterson is a clinical psychologist, so he does that. And in some sense, I think that was the model I was going after. So that's what I'll be doing. I'm moving to New York City probably end of August. I'm still looking for a place. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, I don't have much time <laughs> yeah, have
1: to figure all this out.
0: And yeah, I'll be there for probably two years.
1: That's going to be so dope.
0: Yeah. And I'm I was, drinking, I drank
1: out of the coffee mug. I had my
0: little, they sent me a Teachers College coffee mug. I was very happy
1: about it. That's that. so cool. So, like, just a little bit of backstory that was like really touch and go with the whole PhD program because. Oh, yeah.
0: I applied to Mold, I applied to seven or eight. PhD programs. But
1: pandemic be blamed again for that? Yeah. There's a
0: bunch of reasons. I think I could have done better on my application for one. I think that one, I do know that the funding is cut everywhere. The MSU psych program took no one, no PhDs. They just said, no, nope, not, not a soul, nobody, because wow. their funding got cut. So they can't afford to pay a PhD. Like this is for the audience, but a PhD generally, you leave a PhD program debt free. You're actually high. Oh, really? Part of your pay is the tuition. You pay, you work and do become a teacher's assistant and you work as a research assistant, whatever. So you're more
1: like a partner. Of the and you university. actually get,
0: yeah, you get a stipend. So you get like $34,000 a year or something. I but they, that, that, that funding comes from the labs and the labs funding was cut yeah, because enrollment and a whole bunch of things from the university. So they didn't take any PhDs. So that was happening across the globe. Yeah. So they're taking less people. More people than ever have applied to graduate schools. Yeah. Ever in history than this year. The reason for that is because they're like, oh, I'm not going out of my job or I'm getting laid off. I might as well go back to school.
1: Might as well do something with my time instead of- right. I can,
0: I can do this from home. It'll be whatever. So yeah. you have a huge number of people applying to graduate schools. Huge number. Master's programs, MD programs, PhD, doesn't matter. Everywhere.
1: Any any advanced degree. Right. So the,
0: now the competition is up. Now I'm competing against people that have been in the workforce and they've done this before or whatever. Yeah. And they're going back to school. So I'm competing against them when funding is cut. So they're taking less people. So now it's even more competitive and I probably get them better on my application. And I applied to schools that were super...
1: Competitive. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of them. Joe's theme. Oh, mine's for the, the stars. yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> my theme was, eh, I fucking where I <laughs> So I played myself. <laughs> That's how you got here. <laughs> so I didn't get any of the PhD programs. So it was like, okay, what do I do now? But through a series of connections, my girlfriend um, is in the veteran space like I am. So she met a guy named David Goodrich, who knew another guy named Joe Tracy, who's at Columbia. And they were like, you guys should talk. And it was a bunch of, you should talk to him. You should talk to him. I think you guys are in the same wavelength here. And then I get in a conversation with him and we talk, we have really overlapping research interests. So veterans meaning in life, transition, suicide, all those wow. things, anxiety, all this, which was perfect because what they are really looking for in a PhD program or master where is whatever, is that the person that they're bringing into the lab and they're going to pay,
1: already is fits plugged into the
0: fit matters more than just about anything right because if me and you can't get along and they have to stick their neck out for you for the next six years in a PhD program or the next two in this master's right, right? Yeah. like they don't want to be stuck with a jag alone right that they don't even <laughs> like or that they can't that, that they don't have the common, common interests so we found that we really could could common interests so he was like okay I think you should really apply this master's while you still have time blah 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 Anyway, so long story short, I got into the program, now I'm moving to New York. And I'm going to work for Joe super. Geraci, who is a retired lieutenant colonel who works at the Bronx VA doing research and at Columbia as an associate professor and does research for the Resilience Center for Veterans and Families. Oh, really? That's which is, I'm already in the lab. I've super got, cool. Like, I have a lab meeting on Monday, my first one, via Zoom. And yeah, so I'll be working there too. Nice. Be good. And probably at the Bronx VA. Too.
1: Working in resilience, that's... Really dope. <laughs> right. And, and there, so. Yeah, it's just a perfect overlap with everything exactly what you've I want to do. already been exploring in your own time. Right. And-,
0: and I think that I hope that I like it enough to stick around and complete to do your the PhD. PhD there. Yeah, I still have to apply. It's not a sure thing. Right. Whatever. There's a ton of variables. But I, that's what I would like. I, would, I think that I, all things being perfect, yeah. I'll go to New York. It'll be an awesome experience. I'll have two years to work with people that I get along with great. And then it'll be a PhD program there. Right. And I'll save some of the time in the PhD program because my totally coursework dis- has already been completed by the master's program.
1: Just pushes you right through the system. And, boop,
0: and then out I'll come,
1: oh, a postdoc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after, after postdoc an associate professor, it's a very long road, but i it's, it's a long road, but it's worth, worth it. You know, I hope so. You're doing yeah. a lot of cool stuff and it probably goes without saying, but... Almost everyone is back home is proud of you. After we got the text, me and Jordan, mm-hmm. we I went and told my parents. we are like, what? And I'm like, Joe's going to New York. And they're like, holy crap. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. To be continued, because clearly I'll be going to New York at some point once Hell you get yeah. settled in. Yeah. And we'll be doing a podcast from New York. Just bringing them live <laughs> from New York. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have to open yeah, it that yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been fun. And really, this is the last year or last summer in Michigan. So... Had to do a podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> At hell least one yeah. more.
0: All right. Now, Let's eat some breakfast burritos and Breakfast burritos time
1: and to afloat down the Michigan River, doing the most Michigan the Huron beat. River, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Away! <laughs> Bam. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash curiosity slash support or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very very serious honestly i just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible at the very least if you want to do anything to support the podcast leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe like rate it all of that it helps out a ton again thank you all for listening And I hope you join in on the next episode.